good is that? Isn't that amazing? Yeah, let's give it up for the team that were at I Love My City Day. So good. And, and I'm just so encouraged. Like we said, we've been talking about missions a lot. And, and missions isn't necessarily just what we do overseas. It's about us all being a part of the one story of Jesus bringing hope and love and life to humanity. And I think it's pretty amazing that what we give and what we pray for is actually making a really tangible difference around the, around the world. Um, and I just wanted to share a story really quick from I Love My City Day, or two. Give me two stories. One, we helped out a couple um, with some stuff that they said, look, if we didn't get helped with this, we would still be doing this job at Carnival of Flowers next week. And they, uh, next year, sorry, at Carnival of Flowers next year, it was a big job that we were able to knock out really quick. And they said, we are so lucky to live near the church. And I thought, isn't that an awesome response from people? Um, and an, another story was we were actually able to help someone out. They, they were moving out of their house. They had no way, or they were like, we, we don't know how we're going to possibly clean up our yard, which we have to do before we can move out. It hadn't been touched for about 12 months. And we were able to get in there and just dominate it with like 18 people with whippersnippers and chainsaws and hedge trimmers and, and, and really do something that, that they just absolutely blew their expectations, and they were actually in church this morning, um, which I think is super, super amazing. Let's praise God for that. And then and they said through this help, you know, they'd, they'd been through quite a tough, quite a, quite a crazy and difficult story, um, and they said kind of through you guys helping us, we've realized that, our, that my walls have been up but now I feel like I'm ready to start to learn to trust again uh, because I've seen you guys. Isn't that beautiful? Why don't we praise God for that? I think that's amazing. And it, it just shows how if we're just willing to step out and do something and help somebody, we never know the impact that it could have. So um, just so excited to be a part of what God is doing through our church at the moment, locally and around the world. It's pretty amazing. Hey, I want to do something and talk about something this evening I think is super important. And in a moment, I'm going to introduce up a panel. We're going to have a discussion around things like mental health and stress and all those kind of things. So, but to, just to set it up, I want to talk about when life bites. Turn the person beside you and say, when life bites. Maybe you've been bitten, quote unquote, by life before. It's when something happens that hurts. Maybe you feel disappointed. Maybe it leaves you feeling stressed. Maybe it actually sends you into a season of grief. Man, who knows that sometimes life can actually bite. Sometimes at fun and games, other times life actually bites. But I think that the way we respond to how life bites is actually a massive part of our witness to the people that are around us. And I want to read a story from Paul this evening. It's one of my favorite stories. Uh, basically, Paul is in a ship, shipwreck. Uh, his ship sinks. They get ashore. It's, you know, Paul just another, another day for Paul, really. He's like, yeah, my ship sunk anyway. Uh, so they're on the beach. They're basically uh, building a fire. And we can read about it in Acts 28. It says they, were, they built a fire um, because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. And as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer for he escaped the sea, but the goddess of justice has not allowed him to live. They're basically like, We've seen Final Destination. He's escaped death once. It's coming for him. Uh, but then it says, But Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And I love this. It says, The people expected him to die, uh, expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after, 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 I've, I've, in my notes it says, After eating a long time, 
Yeah, okay. Eating a long time and seeing nothing unusual. I think it's meant to say watching a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him. They changed their minds and said, he must be a God. I love this. They're like, he's a murderer. And then he gets bitten by a snake. They're like, he going to swell up. He going to die. We've seen this happen before and it doesn't happen. And they're like, he's God. That's... That's what it is. I love what an emotional roller coaster this story is. Uh, but, but the thought that stood out to me is it's interesting that the, he was bitten, but he wasn't actually, or, you know, because of the supernatural power of God, he wasn't actually poisoned and he didn't die because of what happened to, to him. And I think in life, we can't actually stop life from biting us. It's just a matter of life. If you live on a broken planet, there are going to be things that happen that hurt you, but it doesn't actually have to poison you and kill your future and kill your vision, you can actually get through those things and come out stronger on the other side. And not only that, it's going to cause people who are watching to say, wow, there is more to this person than actually meets the eye. There's something going on here that I don't understand. People might not look at you and go, well, Geordie, he's God. They might not do that, but they say, man, there's something different about this guy. Um, so with that being said, we're going to have a discussion about how do we actually respond when life bites. So when we feel disappointed, when we feel hurt, when somebody lashes out at us, when, when we work in customer service and somebody unloads all of their trash from the week on us, when we're answering phone calls at work and we get abused, how do we actually deal with this kind of stuff so it doesn't go on to actually poison us um, and, and poison our future? So with that being said, I'd love to invite our panel to the platform this evening. If you guys would come up, let's give it up for the panel as they come. We've got some amazing people joining us. We're going to have a seat. We're going to comfy in the lounge room uh, as I introduce these people. So we have got Pastor James Lush on the end here. Uh, let's give it up for James. We all love James. And up until recently, James actually ran um, basically all of our pastoral care within New Hope. So he had a lot of experience with people going through pain and challenge. We've got Sarah Trodes in with us this morning, or this evening, who is a life group leader, amongst other things, a business director of the church, working in, I guess, quite a, you know, a lot of stuff on your plate, and also spent a lot of time working with people through interns and stuff like that. Let's give it up for Sarah. We've got Andy with us this evening. Let's give it up for Andy. So Andy is actually currently in the Queensland Police Service, and he's also a member of the Australian Defence Force. So somebody who I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about these kind of things. Give it up for Andy. And we've got Mel. Mel, can you introduce yourself? Because you've got some titles that are awesome, and I'm going to mess them up. So <laughs> would you introduce yourself? Um, so my day job is an um, administration manager at a medical centre, which has been quite stressful throughout the pandemic, of course. And then I also volunteer at a um, pregnancy support agency as a registered counsellor. Very good. So I'm excited. Let's welcome Mel. I think something great to add. And honestly, our hearts go out to anyone who's working anywhere in the medical industry at the moment. Talk about stress and pressure. Um, I'm really excited to hear what you have to say, because I think a lot of us are going to relate to that who work in stressful environments. So what we're going to do, we're basically, we're going to interview these guys, and we're going to get thoughts from these guys is how the night's going to roll. Um, so just to start off, I mean, it would be great to hear from you guys as we talk about things like stress and mental health. Are there any kind of analogies or concepts that are kind of helpful to have in our mind as we deal with these things? Yeah, so I guess uh, one thing that I've learned ma mainly from coming out of the ADF is uh, we use this expression of a cup. You've got like a stress cup, right? 
and imagine just a glass of water and there should be some stress in there, there should be some, some water in the cup because that's what gets you out of bed in the morning, you know, makes you pay your bills. You've got that stress of life, right, that's normal. And then you add some relationship stress and then you add some financial stress and then you add whatever else is going on in your world and your stress cup fills up. <clears throat> and what happens is when it gets full and overflows, you have a, a natural reaction. It's that fight or flight reaction uh, that you all w would have heard of. Um, that's what happens. Basically, you've got too much stress in your cup. You don't know how to deal with it. So you're going back to this autonomous reaction of fight or flight. Um, and I guess that reaction's very individual and very specific for you. Um, but it can also be trained. Uh, and that's what, I guess, in specific industries such as the ones that I've been in, that's what effectively happens to you, is you're trained to react a particular way when that stress cup overflows. Uh, and most of the time it's a fight response. So most of the time it's quite violent, um, which is great in those professions but not so much in the real world. Not great when you're dealing with the cashier at Coles. 100%. <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. Mel, I don't know if you can speak to, like, what are some of the tells maybe of, and, and how do we go about identifying when our cup's actually filling up? Because I think that's a super, is that a helpful analogy for everyone? Like, I've got this cup that everything we're doing in life can be either adding to this cup. Um, I've also had the analogy of it's like a septic tank. If it just goes in, you're going to end up with a problem. There actually needs to be an outlet or an emptying of the cup. Um, but before we get to that, like, yeah, how can we actually tell? What are some of the things that add to our stress cup? Yeah, that's a really good question. So um, it's definitely individualised. So one of the things that I really encourage clients to do, and I do with myself personally, I find it really helpful, is to actually practice a bit of mindfulness. And what that means in this scenario is that when you're feeling overwhelmed or stressed, is actually to pause and take a minute and just think about where in my body am I feeling this stress? Because that can be a really good indicator of what's going in going on for you internally. So, for example, with me personally, um, if I'm feeling, you know, at work, I'm just feeling overwhelmed, going, what is going on with me? If I actually take a minute to pause and go, where is this stress situated? And it might be in my shoulders. And if it's in my shoulders, I know that, okay, I've been staring at the screen for too long. It's just that telltale sign for me. And everybody's different. So that might mean actually just taking a five-minute break, going to get a cup of tea and coming back, just switching off for just the moment. Or if I'm engaged with a um, patient at work who's quite abrupt or, or having that conflict, um, I often feel stress in my jaw and I know that I'm about to react. So actually knowing where the stress is in your body can be a really helpful way um, to know what's going on for you because sometimes in that moment when you are feeling stressed, it's so overwhelming and like Andy's saying, it's almost that fight response, like you just, you're not sure what to do. So just knowing where it is can be really helpful and then understanding for you how you can actually respond to that stress. Yeah, I think that's so, uh, so important. And you're just talking about that. I know for me, like when I get in a conflict situation, I definitely feel it in my face. I feel it in my jaw. Um, and I think, I guess that mindfulness is so important. Just maybe to step back to perspective. Is that what you'd say? Just to bring perspective Absolutely. to... Absolutely. So they... Um the best way to describe it is to, and it takes practice, it's, you know, you, you've got to sort of do it regularly to, to get to that point, but you become in observer mode, they call it observer mode, so rather than your problem being faced right at you, 
it's like you can actually start looking at your problem from above, giving yourself that time to respond rather than react. So it's creating space between you and your problem. And one of the best techniques to do that, um, that I found anyway personally, is to actually work out where in my body I'm feeling that and what that means for me. Yeah, I think that's super helpful. I, I don't know, Andy, have you got anything to add about that? Because obviously you're in, a, in the kind of role that often would inquire, require you know, tension between people. Um, yeah, how do you kind of deal with that? So you, along a similar sort of line, you've got to know what works for you. Um, so I guess there's different ways that you can empty that cup, if we want to use that analogy. Um, hobbies are a massive one. Um, what activities do you do normally in your life that take stress out of you? Uh, for me, there's, there's a couple of things. Um, one is I play rugby, okay? So that's my, I guess if you want to call it... Get the it, aggression out. That's my violent expression yeah. of getting, getting rid of stress, yeah? Um, and that's really helpful for me because, I, I, it serves a lot of purposes. Mm. So it, it helps with your fitness. It, it builds relationships with other people. Um, and it also gets that stress out of you, any sort of physical activity like that, whether it's for you, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's a team sport where you can interact with other people. Whatever works for you, figure that out. Um, and then the second one for me is music, which is calming. Mm. So I guess I've got both ends of the scale there. And then I just have to be able to figure out through that mindfulness, what do I need now? Do I need a little bit of aggression? Do I need to get that element out? Or do I need to do something that's calming on the other end of the scale? Yeah. So, and, I mean, bass lines were very calming this evening. Andy up on the bass, so good. I don't know if either of you guys want to talk to that. I don't know if you've kind of experienced that or seen that. Yeah, I think that's fantastic where you're talking about acknowledging that you have a cup in the first place and acknowledging what your cup looks like. I think particularly, I think sometimes we fall into the trap and I've seen people fall into the trap of thinking, well, they can handle that, so surely I can handle that. Yeah. And they see people and, oh, that works for them, so surely that's going to work for me. But acknowledging and having that self-awareness, like I said, mindfulness to go, well, this is my cup, this is what fills my cup, this is what stresses me, and this is how I empty the cup, and acknowledging that it's going to look different for you yeah. than to what the person next to you. And even I found, like, once getting married, how my cup is totally different to my wife's cup, yeah. and how we deal with our stresses cups is also totally different, and just recognises that I need to have that awareness to go, all right, this is what it feels like for me, this is what I know I need to do to to unwind and to relax and to let a lot of that cup out so that I can take more on. Yeah, I think that's great. And a great thought about marriage, hey, like recognising that we deal with things differently and giving your spouse the space to actually be able to empty their, their um, stress cup as well. Um, we're talking about things like hobbies, which I think is great. Um, so I think it's so important to have something where you do kind of empty your cup a little bit. Uh, maybe, Mel, if you could talk to just like, you know, obviously, if we're in the middle of a heated conversation or we've got someone on the phone and we're just getting bombarded, you know, when you get those days and it's like everyone who's calls got to, you know, they've got to be in their bonnet or something like that. You know, obviously, during work, we can't just say, hey, boss, I'm going to duck out, play a game of rugby. Uh, we can't pull the guitar out in the office and have a bit of a strum. Like, is there any kind of stuff that we can do, like, in that moment or even if we've just got such a packed life? Um, like, what are some simple things we can do to empty our cup? Yeah, sure. So I'd speak two things into that. The first thing I want to um, bring an awareness to is there's a difference between emptying your cup intentionally and numbing. 
So something like Nummy might be scrolling through social media, binge-watching TV. Um, if that's what you need to do on wine, that's fine, um, but just be aware that numbing in that sense is often going to leave you feeling more tired, um, not as motivated as you would be if you were intentional about emptying your cup. So like Andy's saying, going to play rugby, um, that's connecting with people, that's physical, um, that kind of thing, being intentional in that way will actually leave you um, more relaxed, more excited about life um, rather than numbing. So just be aware of the temptation to numb because it's a lot easier to numb. Yeah, and, and you mentioned as we, when we talked about this earlier this week, like sometimes those things can look like more effort. Like when we're tired, it's like I just want to sit down and scroll or I just want to turn on the Xbox and maybe it takes more effort to go out and do some gardening. Um, but it's amazing when you do it, how much more energised you feel afterwards. So I think that's a fantastic point. Um, and the second thing you were going to say? Yeah, and the second thing I was going to say was just with um, people who are aggressive or you're just having trouble with somebody in a conflict situation. I think um, for me, the biggest thing is just recognising that there's always a story behind the story. So if somebody's upset with you, somebody's angry, somebody's um, blaming you for something that's not actually your fault, chances are they're going through something that is making them feel that way. Now, that doesn't mean that they can walk all over you. You've got to have your boundaries, but um, recognising that there's always a story behind the story. So, for example, um, with patients at work, they're upset with us for something. Well, they're at the doctor's because they're unwell or a family member's unwell. So they're stressed as well. So just recognising that there's a story under the story can be really helpful and help you to tap into your compassion and empathy. Again, it doesn't mean that you allow them to walk all over you. However, just recognising that can be really helpful because suddenly you've gone from wanting to just react and yell straight back at them to go, okay, well, what's going on for this person? It looks like they're having a really bad day. How can I bring a bit of light to the situation? I think that's super helpful. I think it's important for us to hear as Christians too, because I think, you know, we believe in a loving God and a gracious God. And, and sometimes it can lead us to feel like I have to let people walk all over me. But I think that word boundaries is so important that I can actually set boundaries. I can actually be firm and loving at the same time. It doesn't have to be a contradiction. That's great. Sarah, did you have any thoughts on, on that? I heard you nodding or, or didn't hear you nodding. I, I could tell you are nodding away in the background. <laughs> Just some really aggressive <laughs> nods. <laughs> I definitely felt attacked about that scrolling on social media thing so I'll put my hand up so you guys don't have to um, but I think that that's a really valid point because I think a lot of the time we think something is restful when it's not and then we get frustrated that we spend the time to do that but then we're more tired and then we're more tired and then we're more tired and you end up in this cycle and I know for me I've tried it once where I was like no technology after this time, I'm going to paint or read a book or do something to give to me. It was the best week of my entire life. Mm. And even though I know that, it's funny that I'll pray to God to help me with the stress, but I won't always actively do something that's going to help me with my stress. So it's a good reminder. Like it is actually a lot of the time, well, a lot of things are in our control to mediate, to help. There's a lot we can actually do when it comes to stress. Yeah, I mean, and that seems like a common theme tonight is understanding you and your body and what your reaction is, what empties your cup, what fills your cup. Um, something for some people that might not be stressful is actually really stressful for other people. Um, and, and so understanding yourself, I think that's, that's super important. I wanted to take a moment tonight, just because I think you guys have got a very unique perspective on this, just to speak specifically about grief 
and grieving. Um, I know in your role, Andy, you would see a lot of, probably experience a lot of secondhand grief where you're around people that are grieving. Um, I know I've been in that position before and found it, you know, kind of difficult with how do I actually, how do I deal with this? Because I'm not directly impacted by it, but now I'm actually carrying something. Um, and I'm, I'm sure all of us here have probably had an experience of grief where maybe we lost someone close to us or even just disappointment to the level that it's actually led to kind of you grieving, maybe the end of a relationship or something like that. Um, have you guys got any thoughts about you know, how do we kind of deal with grief specifically? Yeah, I guess if, if you're experiencing it, again, it, it's going to be a very individual experience. Um, you know, you, they talk about stages of grief and things like that, but it's going to be real specific for your circumstances and where you're at in life and what, what it is that you're going through. Uh, I guess if it's second-hand grief, uh, which is probably what I experience more often than not, um, I guess I'll, I, I could say a couple of things about it, but I guess two things is there's a, there's a big difference between empathy uh, and taking on someone else's grief. Yeah. Um, and it, that's really important because being in that situation where you have to be there for somebody, that's going to add stress to your cup already. Mm. Why take theirs and put it in as well? Yeah. Uh, you don't need to do that. You can show empathy and be there for someone without taking on their emotion. Mm. Um, and I guess the second thing in that aspect too, I guess you sort of touched on, is what works for you might not work for them. And sometimes you could have the best intentions and really be adding to their cup. Uh, you might put pressure on them. And, and even if we, we bring it back to this and you talk about, oh, just give it to Jesus, you know, just even comments like that. And, and you're 100% right, that's the thing to do. But maybe that person can't hear that in that circumstance. And you just need to be there, you know, because you, you making a comment like that might make them feel like they're not faith-filled enough or, you know, they're doing something wrong and that's filling their cup up even more. So being there, not taking it on uh, and knowing where to, instead of trying to fix, to create space where that person can fix and where that person can empty their own cup because that's what they need to do. I think that's so great. Hey, that's really helpful. I know that actually Denny is up here. He ran a, a, a course for, for, for us through Lifeline recently called Accidental Counselor, um, which is basically what happens when somebody does unload some stuff on you and you find yourself in the position of a counselor without being actually a qualified counselor. And one of the biggest takeaways I took from it, which I think kind of is, is what you're saying as well, like that you don't have to try fix that person's problem. Actually, there's so much power in just validating the way that they feel um, and just validating those feelings of, hey, that must be really tough. Um, hey, that must be really disappointing for you. I don't actually have to take on the pressure of I need to fix this person's problems. Often it's so helpful just to validate the way that somebody feels. So I think that's great. Mel, have you got anything to add to that thought just of maybe grief itself? Yeah, I think exactly what you're saying. The word validate is really important. So um, like Andy was saying, it's so tempting to want to fix it because you do, you want to see the best for them, but that's often not helpful. So to have a helpful conversation is just being there, it's letting them know that um, what they're feeling is absolutely understandable, it's okay, 
um, whether that's anger or sadness, disappointment, it's okay, you're there for them, um, whatever they need, that you're there. So absolutely just echoing what, what you've said. Yeah, great. And I mean, I think you guys made a comment this week with, as we were talking about it, about how to have a helpful conversation with someone. So whether it's that there's someone else is stressed out or someone else is grieving, you know, I think a great thing for us as, as followers of Jesus is we have a heart for people. We actually really care about people and we really want to help people. Um, so I think it'd be good to have, maybe if you guys have a, a few thoughts, maybe you've already shared a couple of them, but how do we actually have a helpful conversation with someone who's doing it tough? Um. I guess the biggest thing, we, we um, again, we sort of talked about it, is is validating the way that they feel, not making them feel like they shouldn't be feeling the way that they feel. Um, that's a massive one. Not trying to step in and fix it, uh, that's a massive one. Being there, uh, and there's things that we can do, especially as Christians, there's things that you can do in the background. That you don't have to directly be speaking to that person. You know, you can be praying for them. You know, you can be hooking them up with the right people that are going to be able to help them in their circumstances. You, you don't have all the skills. You know, and even if you're a, a counsellor or a psychologist, you still don't have all the skills. Uh, you need to be able to figure out how, what is the best way to help this person and put, put them in touch with those people. And then, like I said before, create that space where they can help themselves. Uh, be that supportive, loving space that does those things in the background and then just steps back and opens up an opportunity for that person to grow and develop and, and work through their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I think that's awesome. I don't, I don't know if you guys have ever seen something like this in, in action. Yeah, no, I, I love what you talk about. Making sure people have permission to feel. Yeah. Making sure people know they are allowed to feel their feelings and it's actually really healthy for them to feel their feelings. And then that, that goes for yourself too. Mm. There's no point in denying that you're feeling a, a specific way yeah, because if the, if the tap's running and your cup's full and you're just going, there's nothing wrong, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, the whole room's filling with water mm. and then it's out of control. Yeah. So don't, don't deny the fact that you feel angry. It's not bad that you feel angry. Mm. You know, deal with it and deal with it the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Super helpful. Um, final question. I guess how does our, our faith play into this when we talk about dealing with our emotions reacting well when when life bites how, how do you guys see your faith um kind of playing a part of that uh, well andy actually talked on tuesday if you want to sort of start off andy just about the anchor i thought that was a really good analogy yeah so some some of the things you hear especially if you've been coming to church for a little while is there's a there's a lot of cliches that get thrown around and they you know you hear it a lot they're cliches because they're true right so that having your, your faith as an anchor is massive. So if you think about an anchor of a boat and, you, and you start, that boat starts to drift, if that anchor's in something soft, it's not solid, the anchor drifts with you and all of a sudden you're over here, right? But if, if that anchor's in something solid, you might drift a little bit here, you might drift a little bit there, but then when you step back and you look at a bigger picture, you really haven't gone that far, yeah? yeah. You might feel like you're in a bad situation, but that anchor is holding you a lot closer than what you really think it is. Yeah. Uh, and don't lose sight of that. And I think that's something. If you, you use your faith, your faith in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus as your anchor, it goes into something deep. It goes into something solid. And even if you feel like you're off course, you're really, when you step back and look, he's going to hold you there. 
you know, and, and you can drift this way and that way, and that's what you're going to do in life because it's not perfect. But at the end of the day, you're always going to come back to that point. Yeah. Wow, I love that. That's awesome. Mel, have you got anything to add to Yeah, and just on the back of that too is just to be kind to yourself. So, for example, with that anchor, we know it's Jesus. We know that he's firm. How your relationship looks with him might change in the seasons, and that's okay. So, for example, if you're, you know, going through a real season of disappointment, I know for me um, that's been the case lately, it's really hard to journal. It is, but I'll tell you what I can do. I can be kind to myself and not feel obliged to journal because I know it would be out of obligation to journal at those times. But I can listen to worship music on the way to work and anchor my soul that way. So I would just say on the back of that, just be kind to yourself. Recognise that the season that you're in, and God's okay with our messiness. It's okay. He loves you. He's big, he's big enough to handle it. So be what you need to be. Be, be you. Don't try to do um, how you think everybody else says to do it, like we've been talking about. You're unique. Just live your journey and be kind to yourself. Yeah. I think that's awesome, hey? And, and I think that when we're in those seasons, like God does really want to speak to us and encourage us and lift us. But God doesn't just speak one way. God speaks heaps of different ways. So I love that. Just making space, if it's just flicking on a worship song on the way to work, um, you know, maybe recognizing what's not helpful, which might be le- listening to certain stuff on your way to work. And actually, I'm going to just make some space in the car for God to speak to me. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts to add to that. Um, I would just add to that, like something that has really helped me is I always had this idea that I've succeeded when I don't get stressed or overwhelmed anymore. Like that to me means that I'm on a good trajectory, but I've sort of realised that there's just too many variables in life Mm -hmm. that you're probably, if you don't experience those ups and downs, you're probably not feeling the way that you should be feeling in life. And so just being okay with the fact that it is going to ebb and flow and not being overwhelmed when it does. Because when you think, oh, I finally made it to this point, I'm never going to, you know, struggle with that again or be in this hard place again, and then you find yourself there and the disappointment in yourself, that I think is the most damaging thing. So just allowing yourself that grace to know that there are going to be ebbs and flows for the rest of your life. That's unavoidable and that's okay, but you get stronger, you move into different areas and just giving yourself that grace. Yeah, that's awesome. James, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, I think I think the whole seasons thing is absolutely key. Just recognising that there are times, you know, when life is going to be fantastic and there are times when life is going to be more difficult and that's just life. It goes through seasons and recognising that when you're in a season, it's not what your life is going to look like forever. Recognise that if you're in a tough season, this is not what my life is going to look like for the rest of my life. You know, it will be a moment, it will be a time, and we will get through this. And then God is close to the brokenhearted. And God is really with those people. And I've seen time and time again, people going through the hardest stuff. Walk the journey with people who are going through unbelievably difficult things. You know, young mums who get terminal illnesses and, you know, people who've diagnosed with things that they're just like, there's, there's no way out of this. And you talk to those people and you talk to the people who've gone through the toughest things. And it's almost like they know Jesus better than anyone else because they've got close to him. And they've seen, they've gone those tough moments. And there's tough moments when you press into Jesus, when you really see his face, where I believe God speaks to people in those times and reveals himself to him in a way that you almost can't see Jesus unless you go through those tough times. And I just want to encourage you, if you are in a tough moment, Jesus is there with you. He's right there and he wants to show you who he is and what he thinks about you and what your future is like. Yeah. Yeah. And if you haven't gone through a tough season, you know, 
Jesus with you too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not, not with you because you're not in a tough season. <laughs> that's important. Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. It's actually okay to be in a good season, just as it's okay to be in a tough season. Hey, well, I think that's super helpful tonight. Why don't we give it up for our panel? It's so good. You guys can go grab your seats. Um, and, and so I just want to en- encourage us with that. I think that's such a good thought to leave it on. Hey, whatever your season you're in, God is with you. God is close to you. I love that promise in Romans where it says, we know in all things God works together for the good of those called by Him. That doesn't say in the good things God is working, in all things God works. And it's amazing how when people go through a challenge well, deal with these things well, they actually come out stronger on the other side. And but the final thought I just want to leave us with as we, as we finish up tonight, like I said earlier, this is a massive part of our witness. I think that people are actually watching us to watch how we respond when these kind of things happen in our life. And, and actually such a powerful part of our testimony is the way that we respond when things aren't going as planned, when things are a little bit tough. I think the people around us are actually watching um, and it leads them to ask questions when we respond well about there being something more to life than just what we see. When you're able to get off the phone to an abusive client and respond well and it not ruin your day, that says a lot about your faith. And not putting pressure on you have to respond a certain way, but I just think it's important to keep that perspective of, of when I respond well, it actually lifts up the name of Jesus and it causes people to look to there must be something more than this because they're responding in a way that I could not imagine. So, so good. Hey, why don't we stand together? I'd love to pray for us just as we finish. Sorry that we've gone a little bit longer tonight, but I think it's really important that we have these conversations. Um, And so I would just love to pray for us just as we finish. Jesus, we just thank you that you are our anchor, that in good times and the hard times, God, you help us to stand firm. And even though we might sway and move at times, you're always with us, you're always for us. And and God, I just pray that you would help us to understand and and to really be able to look at ourselves and, and reveal to us what adds to our cup, what empties our cup. Help us to learn to respond well when life bites, because we really believe that with you and with your help, we don't have to be poisoned by it, but we can actually move forward and be strengthened by the challenges that we face. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, just as we finish, we've talked about a God who loves us, who's an anchor for our soul. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Him. I just want to encourage you that He's got a plan and a purpose for your life as well. He wants to be that firm foundation that you can build on. He wants to take your story wherever it is and begin to write an even more beautiful story. He wants you to live the kind of life that you only ever imagined that you could live. And you get that just by making a simple decision of, Jesus, I want to follow you. might look like saying a little prayer in your heart of, Jesus, that's me. I want to follow you. Um, And it's the best decision that you will ever make because God has got an incredible future for you. So if that's you making that decision tonight, Matt's going to come and tell you a little bit more about what you can do.